sow and help the sown seed. Sowing the seeds is about sharing the faith and the word of God with other people. We know that because Jesus just said so. The parable is about scattering the seeds of faith. The faith that we share with others is rejected by most. We know that because Jesus just explained that. Falling on hard soil, rocky soil, amongst the weeds, only one in four is it doing anything. Seed on the hard ground. Satan comes and snatches it. Many people simply shrug their shoulders and say no thanks to a life in Jesus. You say, hey, you know, would you like to come with me to Mass? Would you like to hear about Jesus? Or we'd say, hey, Jesus is the Lord and Redeemer of the whole human race. We're like, hey, shut up. I don't want to hear that stuff. That's the hard ground. They just reject it out of hand. And why do they reject it? Because Jesus says, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted. They don't want to be converted. It's not about the truth, like, oh, I, I'm a strong atheist because that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Atheism is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's just objectively, empirically insane. But then we're an insane people. No, people don't accept the gospel of Jesus Christ because they don't want to change their life. They don't want to do the hard work of serving Jesus. They just want to live for themselves. Rocks. Some people, for a brief time in their lives, respond to the faith And then they fall away or backslide. How many people have we known who used to go to Mass and now they don't? And they're like, well, where did they go? What happened to them? Well, for a time they were seeking God and and living in some kind of communion with God or trying. And then they just backslid and gave up. Many times I've seen people go through RCA and then a year later I'm wondering, where did that person go? They were so on fire a year ago and now I, I don't see them anymore. Some people for, let me see, some people try to live faith in Christ, but weeds choke it. So these are people who pray from time to time, they go to Mass from time to time, and maybe they might even once every few years join something or volunteer for something. But generally speaking, the vices of their sins, the, the, the vices of their life, the sins of their lives, and addictions are those weeds that keep choking the gospel. And so they never come into this place of just communion with Christ and liberation from their vices, sins, and addictions. They're always just living in that world of whatever that is and still kind of trying. They're rich soil. Some, a small minority, hear the word of God. They're seekers of the truth. They're converted, and they're willing to be converted. They're willing to change their life. They're willing to go out and become seed sowers themselves one day. It's all of the above. And the thing is, is we really don't know when we're sharing the gospel with people who that person is. They say, I think that person's hard soil. Because in the past, they've said, don't you share that? You don't shove that stuff down my throat, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you will die, and you will stand before Jesus Christ, and you will ultimately go to heaven or hell for eternity. I want to get you into heaven. What about you? And then they might go, oh, oh. So it's not just about that. Or they're like, well, I think I'm, I'm a man today when they're a woman. Or I think I'm a woman today when they're a man. Or... You know, I, I, I think that I'm, I'm going to just blow God off or whatever sort of thing. And you share the faith, and, and they reject it all throughout this life. And then on their deathbed, they, they're like, 
oh, I know God's for real. I know Jesus for real. I always knew that. I always lied and said I didn't, and I was always mad at anyone who brought him up. But Jesus, in this my final hour of life, have mercy on me, a great sinner. Because someone shared the word of God with him. Somebody sowed that seed. But we didn't see in this life how it did any good. But it did on their deathbed. It bore fruit for eternity. That person doesn't go to hell. They might spend a millennium in purgatory. But then they released to the beatific vision. They made it. Because somebody shared the gospel. And then, of course, there are those people that we share the gospel with them, and then they, they, uh, and then they go away, and then a month later, something else, and then a year later, and then two years later, they're in RCA, or they're falling away Catholics, and they've come back. The point being here is that Jesus isn't just talking to his 12 apostles and going, you 12, go evangelize. The rest of you, hundreds of people, don't worry about it. It's just their job. No, Jesus is in the boat. There's so many people crowding on him. He had to get into a boat. They're all pressed against the shore. And he's telling them, you're the sea bearers. All of you. You all need to be scattering seeds. It's everyone's responsibility to evangelize. It's one of the precepts of the church. And then people say, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And now I'm going to help you. Share what you know. Share what you know. Say, well, I don't know much. Then teach yourself. Teach yourself. You have a table somewhere in your house, a dinner table, a table of some sort. Don't sit on the couch or the recliner. That's not a good place to do homework. Sit at a table. Break open the Bible. Get in front of, a, get in front of your YouTube and start watching Catholic videos. Start participating in programs here in the church, in the parish. Inform yourself. Seek to know Jesus. And then share what you know with others. See, but I'm not very talented, nor am I. 19 years later after ordination, I'm more talented. Because like anything, practice makes perfect. So if we just start and we stumble out of the gate, that's okay. God will bless the stumble. We just keep trying. But so here's this thing. Gardeners don't sow seeds and walk away. Gardeners, first of all, clear the soil. They're like, okay, wait a minute. This place has got rocks. It's got tree stumps, brambles, all kinds of stuff. I've got to clear the soil. So they do the hard work, hard work of clearing the soil. Then they might fertilize it, then till it, then plant seeds. And then they water the seeds. And then they weed the plant as it grows. They might even prune the plant. And then finally one day there's a harvest. But what that is, is it's time and it's hard work. Time. It's not all at once. We want our meal in 30 seconds in the microwave. Real life isn't a microwave. Real life is a wood stove. With the chopping of the wood and the cutting of the wood and building the stove and putting it through the roof and, uh, and all of that business. If we really want this to work, if we want to convert our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, our siblings, then we have to be prepared to spend some serious time at this and put in some serious work. And it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. Even if that person doesn't make it to heaven, they never will lift a finger for Jesus in this life. It bore fruit for you. You became a holier person because of it. 
But I can almost guarantee you that God will use the grace that you released from heaven for others who will receive the seeds, who will receive the word of God. All right. So, how do we do this? Here are the four things that we need to do. We need to share the gospel. We need to actually, in words, share Jesus with others. Share the Catholic faith. Say, you know, you need to go to Mass every Sunday. And they're like, oh, no, I don't. I don't even believe anymore. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. We need to try, okay? Sharing the faith. The other thing that we need to do is we need to accompany these people. We think, well, I shared the faith and they rejected it, and so that was the end of it. No, the accompaniment is, I come alongside them. Listen, I'll drive you to Mass. I'll I'll pick you up. Listen, right now, I'll just pray a Hail Mary with you. You don't have to say anything. Just be quiet. Let me pray a Hail Mary with you. Whatever it is, I will order this for you. I will get this for you. I will do this. There's this accompaniment that needs to take place. And when they see that, they see that effort... And there's something about that in which they begin to gain trust in the messenger, and then they begin to gain trust in the message itself. The third thing is, be a saint. Be a saint. It's amazing how holiness converts people. I think of St. John Vanney, 10,000 canonized saints. So the church has this list of saints, that's the canon. And there are 10,000, roughly, of these characters going all the way back 2,000 years who are saints. You know how many of them were Father Nathan, pastor of the parish? One. That's stunning. You think of all these monks and nuns and these sometimes bishops and evangelists and even lay people and all that. How many parish priests have made it? There's one, John Vianney. And, and his life story is extraordinary. And he was not a good preacher. He was not a good preacher. They did not come for his homilies. They became because that man was a saint and everyone knew it. And there was something about that man that led that entire village of ours. 400 people lived in that village. Every single person in that village, by his death, went to Mass every single Sunday and holy day without fail. None of them worked on Sundays anymore. They had to harvest to bring in, and then watch the rain clouds on Sundays, and they would pray. And this was a fact, that he had been pastor there for 25, 30 years or something. At the end of his life, somebody went back and tracked in the calendar days how many times it rained on a Sunday during harvest season. And as long as he was there and the villagers never worked on that day, it never rained on a Sunday during harvest season. Because God honored that commandment. And when he went to the village, his first mass, there was maybe five people who showed up. By his death, all 400 were devout Catholics. The villagers, everywhere you went, praying the rosary on their stoops. That man was a saint. And there's something about his life in which God was able to use grace from it to convert him. Here's a little story from a layperson. This is Elizabeth Lassoux, I think is her name, something like that. She was in the 1800s, not Teresa of Lassoux or that family, but something entirely different. Elizabeth something. So her husband, French, her husband was an atheist and an anti-Catholic. You know how miserable that must be to be married to an anti-Catholic. Or to have a child who's now anti-Catholic. Yeah, uh, whatever. Oh, 
how miserable. So he would mock her. He would mock her all the time. You know, cut her down, be mean to her about her Catholic faith, etc. He would even do it in company, mixed company, dinner guests, and he would mock his wife for her Catholic faith. They would all laugh along too, because enlightened people were, were atheists, right? No, they're stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. She dies, and he's thrown into a total tailspin. He realizes upon her death that she was the greatest thing in his life by far. And he begins to mourn in a way he had never mourned or hurt before in his life. And he becomes almost dysfunctional. He finds her diary, and he starts to read it. And as he reads the diary, he realizes that she's doing all of this for his conversion. She knows she's going to heaven, but she's worried about him. And so she keeps going to Mass, and she keeps praying, and she keeps being polite and meek and humble when he tears her down. She keeps loving him in exchange for his meanness. And he realizes what an evil man he had been. Reading her diary becomes the catalyst for his conversion. He not only becomes a Catholic, he dies a Dominican priest because his wife was a saint. And finally this, do penance, do penance. Jesus didn't convert the world because he sat on a couch. He went up to Calvary and died there. He suffered for our conversion and our salvation. Do I suffer for the conversion and salvation of other people? In fact, do I even suffer for my own conversion and my own sanctification? Willingness to suffer and to offer that to God is a beautiful thing that releases a ton of grace. What's an example of suffering? Prayer. Daily prayer is an example of suffering, isn't it? It's hard to pray every day. Once it becomes a habit, it's a lot easier. But until it becomes a habit, isn't it hard to honestly pray a rosary every single day? How many can honestly say they do that? Here's another one. If you're retired, you can go to daily Mass. We're so lucky we have daily Mass here seven days a week. The only parish in southwest Washington, in all of southwest Washington, with the Mass seven days a week. How many of us do that? Well, I didn't feel like it. But what if you're doing it for somebody else, for the conversion of somebody else? And we know a lot of people who are super depressed or addicted, etc. We're not even just talking about conversion to Jesus. We're talking about so they won't take their life. Going to daily Mass, that's a beautiful sacrifice. Go to Mass on Sunday and then one other day of the week and give that to God for the conversion of so-and-so. Going to confession once a month, say, well, what does that do for other people? Makes me a saint, just like John Vianney, which converts the world. Fasting. Of course, there is the food, but fasting from screens, fasting from the smartphone, fasting from the TV set, fasting from the couch, fasting from shopping. There's all kinds of ways in which we can do penances that if offered for the conversion of other people, God will do amazing things through that. Truly amazing things through that. So I want to finish with this. My grandma, this was my mother's mom, she was a low-functioning person. 
she didn't, I, I think she was done with her schooling in eighth grade or something, which for that generation wasn't exceptional. But I think she was really kind of more like a fifth grader in terms of her ability to function in the world. By the time I, she had nine children and her husband worked in a logging camp all week long, he came home and at dark on Friday and left in the dark Monday morning. So they didn't see him Monday through Friday. So in the, at the age of seven, my mom just, not the age of seven, but in seventh grade, at the age of 13, my mother just assumed the mothering role of her family because she was a natural born mom. Her own mother was just too dysfunctional. And then when my mom was 16, so a few years later, her dad died in a logging accident. And then her mother had a nervous breakdown, was hospitalized, and did the electric shock treatment and all that business. And her mom was just out of it. Just, just out of it. My mother grows up at 19. She marries my dad. She moves out of the house, starts her own family. Her mom, my grandma, still has like six kids at home, but my mom is gone now. And one of her daughters, one of my mom's sisters as a teenager, was very rebellious, had a very willful, etc. And so she would break rules, and she wouldn't come home when she was supposed to, and etc., etc. And her mother, my grandmother, just couldn't deal with that. Well, one night, at 16, she just didn't come home. What does grandma do? Grandma got down on her knees by her bed and began to pray. She would not get off her knees until something happened. So she just kept praying. Just on her knees, at her bed, praying for her daughter. She did not know where she was. Somewhere around 2, 3 in the morning, the room was filled with light. Just emanating complete light into the room. And my grandma felt immense peace. And she knew that her daughter was safe wherever she was. Then she crawled into bed and slept the sleep of the saved. Her daughter was safe because her mother was on her knees praying for her. The conversion of the world will ultimately happen, either for Jesus or like the fallen angels, publicly against him for eternity. But that conversion needs our penances, our sacrifices. It needs our suffering. It needs our effort. The things that people see and the things they don't see. And if those things are happening, then beautiful, amazing things happen. Beautiful, amazing things happen. For them, and certainly for the one who's putting forth the effort. So sow the seeds. Be the good gardener. Clear the soil. Till it. Fertilize it. Plant the seeds. Water it. Weed it, prune it, spend the time, spend the effort, make the sacrifices, and God will do amazing, miraculous things through you for it.